0: You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Great, great. So good. in the Lord good? Somebody. My, my, I was thinking, um, yes, I actually was. <laughs> I was thinking about three words the Lord gave me before the pandemic came. And they were, stay the course. Say that with me. Stay the course. Be kind. Let's say that again, maybe three times. No. (laughs) Be kind. Be kind. And then there's this one. There's nothing to worry about. Say that. There's nothing to worry about. Now, let me tell you why the Lord would tell you something like that, because there's plenty to worry about. Come on. But it was coming anyway, right? You know, people think the Lord, I know this to be a fact. The more clear the Lord speaks to you, the more you need to hear what he's saying. And he doesn't speak to you something real clearly and then decide to put you through something. Now, something's coming. You understand what I'm saying? No, something's coming. He's warning us about to protect us. So stay the course, be kind. There's nothing to worry about. And the jury is out about which one of those was the hardest. Yeah. Anybody have any kindness issues the last 14 months? <laughs> How about anxiety? Felt like giving up, not staying the course? You know, in the final analysis, you don't have any choice, so we may as well just enjoy this, right? So, Well, I'm going to speak today on the power in remembering, and I'm going to share a number of things from the Scripture. I'm going to share some, some personal um some personal testimonies, part of my story. And I really, I really believe it's going to be helpful today. Um, so we especially remember and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus today. Never forget that the heart of the gospel is that God raised Jesus from the dead after he dealt with the sin and the sickness problem through the cross. Now, what does all that mean? Well, it's just a mystery, honestly. If you think the gospel is not a mystery, well, I believe it is. I believe it is. If we could understand everything there would be about God, he wouldn't be that much. Yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't be that much. But God raising Jesus from the dead encourages us to know there's nothing in our lives God can't help us with. Nothing we can't face. Nothing we can't overcome. Doesn't mean it'll be easy necessarily, but um, there are promises to overcomers, right? How many of you are aware that the Bible says there are promises? He that overcomes shall inherit, right? The only problem with being an overcomer is that thing you have to come over. This is the thing, this little That's the thing right there, whatever. You can label that, whatever yours, but that's the thing. But the resurrection implies, more than implies, that hope can become our reasonable, say reasonable, our reasonable default attitude of life. If, If we can understand who God really is and what has really happened, In the gospel of Jesus, the lowest place we should fall is hope. Now, is that our experience? No. No, because we don't always get it. Look at yourself and say, sometimes I just don't get it. Yeah, sure, I get that. But that's what the resurrection implies. And the wonder of the resurrection is is profound. God... 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Jesus sin. I don't mean made him to sin. All the sin in the world. See, you got to see the gospel from God's point of view, not necessarily ours. God made Jesus to be sin and put sin to death in the body of Jesus. And the fact that sin was dealt with once for all, has been confirmed because God raised Jesus from the dead. And the resurrection of Jesus is the proof of our justification, meaning that God's satisfaction, whatever that means, or who can understand it all, but the fact that Jesus rose from the dead proves that everything God has promised to do for us past, present, and future has already been accomplished. It just simply must be walked through by faith. Now, there's a, that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. But if God can raise Jesus from the dead, then he's able to change. He's able to intervene. He's able to deliver us from or deliver us through or engage with us in any circumstance we face. In closing, that's an old trick. The more excited you got, the more concerned I am about you, frankly, about that. So I want to I read, um, I'll read several different gospel accounts and make some, make some comments. But Luke 24, 1 through 11, I believe we have that by overhead. So you can um, look this up somewhere on one of your devices. Oh, my goodness, maybe even use a Bible. Wouldn't that be something? But here it is for all of us. Um, Notice verse 10 comes after verse 1. The translator put it that way for this to make more sense. So if that doesn't make any sense, that's why I did it. Very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb carrying the spices they had prepared. Now, let me make a note here. You don't carry spices for someone who's alive. You carry them for someone who's dead for their body. So nobody much was bristling with faith resurrection weekend, right? Matter of fact, all the apostles doubted. I love that. I love doubting apostles. I love doubting apostles who've even been told beforehand All this is going to happen. Clearly told. Point by ridiculous gospel passion week. Point, they were told. And they were. Now, don't tell Peter I said this or the rest. Dumb as bricks. (laughs) Now, why am I excited about that? Because if they struggle to believe, it must be part of the process. And you shouldn't be ashamed if you struggle to believe. Now, you shouldn't always struggle to believe, but it is part of it. That's really good. I'm ready to close again. (laughs) Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Jesus' mother, Mary. Arriving at the tomb, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside, so they went in to look. But the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone. They stood there, stunned and perplexed. Suddenly, two men appeared above them in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning. What's that next word? Terrified. I like that, too. There's a terrifying aspect of knowing the Lord. I want to be terrified by God sometime. How about you? Get your heart beating, right? I think something ought to happen in us when we see God accurately. So they were terrified. Terrified. The women fell to the ground on their faces. The men in white said to them, Why would you look for the living one in a tomb? He is not here, for he has risen. And listen to these three words Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was still in Galilee? The destiny of the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinful men, to be nailed to a cross, and on the third day to rise again. Could Jesus have been any clearer than that? Have you forgotten? Ask yourself, ask someone near, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? We're going to see that here in a minute how important it is to remember. All at once, they remembered his words. Leaving the tomb, they went to break the news to the 11 and to all the others of what they had seen and heard. When the disciples heard the testimony of the women, it made no sense, and they were unable to believe what they heard. That, that is so profound. The, the gospel, this did not make any sense to them. And there's something um, about faith that if there's not the temptation to go the way of sense, knowledge, or reason, then there's no significance to faith. Yeah, yeah. There's no significance to faith if you aren't challenged by your reason. This is unreasonable. Yes, God's unreasonable. He does unreasonable things. He does. So here's the story. Mary Magdalene, Joanna and Jesus' mother, Mary, go to the tomb. They're worried about how they're going to move the stone out of the way so they can attend to the dead body of Jesus. What a, what a mission they were on. When they get there in amazement, they see that the stone has been rolled away. So they're anxious. But thinking about anxiety, Mark sixteen three reports it this way. They said among themselves, and I like the way the King James writes it because there's a little play on words here that, that maybe helps us identify the real culprit in this anxiety problem. Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? Well, guess what really needed to be rolled out of the way? Not the stone to us. There was something wrong with the us, not the stone. The problem wasn't the stone. The real problem was the us, the viewpoint, the perspective, the presumption, the imagination. And there's a lot to be said here of the relationship between anxiety, or worry, and projected difficulty, imagined problems. Now, it was true at one point the stone was there. But... Jesus called that kind of anxiety born in imagination, taking thought, taking thought. When we need to leave that thought alone, Jesus over in the the gospel says, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I had an old preacher friend of mine who used to say, let God do your worrying for you. Let God do your worrying for you. Well, easier said than done, huh? Yeah, the great word. There's nothing to worry about for the last 14 months. How many of you walked in that 100% victory? Not me. The Passion Translation. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way. One day at a time, tomorrow will take care of itself. Another note. One day's trouble is enough for one day. One of the implications of the resurrection is that it has the capacity to help end anxiety because we can begin to really see we don't need to worry. No matter what happens, we don't need to worry. Worry does never actually help deal with the issues. And if God can raise the dead, why should we worry about anything? And I'm preaching to myself. Amen, me. Preach it. Preach it. Amen, me. Good word, me. Thank you. That's my split personality functioning. So at the empty tomb, they had a problem with forgetting Jesus' words, and it affected their attitude, their behavior, their disposition. It affected everything because they forgot. They forgot what he told them. So when they arrived, there was an empty tomb. It was They were standing there stunned and perplexed that things weren't the way they expected them to be, and our expectation gets us in trouble. Two angels, brilliant, dazzling, suddenly appear, terrifies the women. They fall to the ground, and then the angels speak to them. Why would you look for the living one in a tomb? He's not here, for he is risen Have you forgotten what he said to you, repeating this, while he was still in Galilee? The destiny of the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinful men, to be nailed to a cross, and on the third day to rise again. All at once they remembered his words. Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was still in Galilee? All at once they remembered. I'm emphasizing this morning the importance of remembering, but it's not just remembering. It's remembering certain things, remembering the things that Jesus has done for you and for others in the past. I want to look at another gospel account over in Matthew. This is 28, 1 through 10, a lot of verses, but they're worth the trip. After the Sabbath ended at the first light of dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, went to look at the tomb. Suddenly, oh my goodness, go through this. Suddenly the earth shook violently beneath their feet as the angel of Yahweh descended from heaven. Lightning flashed around him and his robe was dazzling white. The guards were stunned and terrified, lying motionless like dead men. Then the angel walked up to the tomb, rolled away the stone, and sat on top of it. I really like that picture of the rest of God, the power of God, the lack of anxiety or impatience. Here's what God's like. He rolls away your problem, and then he sits on top of it and looks at you. <laughs> Sat on top of it. Nothing better than heaven's viewpoint. Move the stone, sit on it. The women were breathless and terrified until the angel said to them, something that probably didn't register, there's no reason to be afraid. <laughs> That's so good. There's no way. I know you're here looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen victoriously, just as he said. Just as he said. You remember he told you that. Just as he said. Come inside the tomb and see the place where our Lord was lying. Then run and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. I give you his message. This is what the message was the angel was telling them. Jesus was saying, I'm going ahead of you to Galilee and the promise, you will see me there. I'm going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see me there. They rushed quickly to tell his disciples and their hearts were filled with fear, awe, and great joy at the same time. Along the way, Jesus suddenly appeared in front of them and said, Rejoice, or one translation: "Hello, everyone!" (laughs) Ha ha! What a thing to say! (laughs) The one, what a thing to say! "Hello, everyone!" (laughs) Or rejoice, or (laughs) be happy! (laughs) What a thing to say! They're in turmoil. They're disturbed. They're terrified. They've fallen down and gotten up a couple times. They've seen angels. They don't know what to do with the spices they took. <laughs> Jesus' angel says, Here's, go to Galilee, you'll see him. And then Jesus appears and he says, Hello, everyone. They were so overwhelmed by seeing him that they bowed down and grasped his feet in worship. Then Jesus said to them, Throw off all your fears. Boy, say that to somebody. Throw off! Throw off, Throw off all your fears. Oh, my. You know, if people threw off all their fears, it would reduce uh, stuff on the Internet by 86.6%. 86.6. Throw off all your fears. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They will find me there. One time, he says, they will see me there. Another time, they will what? Find me there. There are times we have to look for Jesus. Let's say that. Sometimes we have to look for him. Sometimes he needs to be found. Found. We need to find him. He said, there's a place you can find me. Galilee. We're going back to Galilee. Galilee. An old familiar place. Seven of the apostles were either born Galilean or lived in Galilee. It was a place where they had all experienced Jesus. They had great memories. Great testimonies on the Sea of Galilee. Great testimonies of healing of the multitudes, feeding of the multitudes. If you read the Bible closely, it seems to say that Jesus actually had a home in Capernaum, it was a home base, could have been a place he lived. You know, the old thing, uh, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no nowhere to lay his head. So people reckoned he was this wandering vagabond preacher. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a wandering vagabond preacher. When he said that he had no place to lay his head, he was looking for a place where people would think the way he thought about the world and other people and life. He was looking for a place to rest his head. Can you hear that? But it's clear he had a home base. Galilee was the place he chose to live. He loved Galilee. So after his resurrection, Jesus is telling his apostles, go back to the experiential roots of your lives with me. And a large percentage of that experience happened in Galilee. Jesus sent them back to the place where they could remember him accurately, remember all the amazing things he did, the important things he said. I've already said this twice. It was in Galilee that Jesus told him of his death, his burial resurrection. He said, they will see me there. They will find me there. Jesus used this interesting way of putting it. Not I'm going to meet with them there, but they will see me there. They will find me there. There was something about going back to a particular place where they had experienced him in a particular way that was essential to their restoration. Do you have a Galilee? Do you have a Galilee with Jesus? Do you have a past where you can remind yourself of what he did for you, a place where you can see him again, a place where you can find him again, a place where Jesus met you in your life and did something for you? That's what Galilee speaks of here. That's what you need to remember That's where the power comes out of your own testimony or the testimonies of others. You remember what he said. You remember what he did. You'll find him there. I was thinking back to an experience I had, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, one of them. One summer years ago, I met an elderly gentleman in this intensive care unit, uh, one of the local hospitals. A large group of us were there praying overnight for a friend of ours who was undergoing surgery connected to his cancer battle. And I came to know that for seven weeks, this gentleman, elderly gentleman of Italian descent, watched and prayed for his wife, who was hovering at death's door. He was there for weeks. And she'd broken her hip earlier in the summer. She was battling a a viral infection. So as I I was in there and I was looking at him, my heart, you know, my heart really ached for him. He was old. He was haggard. The circles under his eyes, the pain etched in the lines in his face. He had a dark countenance. And all of it revealed something really good, which was his devotion for his wife, but it also um, told the story, uh, you, you know, this, you could, there was a story in his face that spoke of the intensity of his suffering and difficulty. And as, as I was looking at him, I thought, I'm just going to try to reach out to him somehow. And so I felt like the Lord gave me an idea. I said, Ask him. Ask him about his homeland. Ask him about his family. And so he began to speak with me in thickly accented, uh, he was Italian, sort of a broken English. But, so he began to speak of the beauties of Rome, he began to talk about the food. The afternoons he and his bride spent walking the avenues together, hand in hand. Then he talked about the glories of Venice. That's the city with the gondolas and the canals. He talked about the wine. He talked about the art. He talked about what it used to smell like, long since forgotten fragrances. And he began to remember this. I watched... A remarkable transformation. His face began to radiate a discernible light, and joy began to fill him up as he remembered the blessings of that land and the life he enjoyed with his wife. I don't know what happened to him or his wife after that, but I was gone. But it really struck me how his visible countenance changed connected to what he remembered. And he, one of the primary messages, even in, in communion, is do this in remembrance of me. And see, when Jesus is saying that, he, he means remember him as the goodness, the glory. The wondrous person he is and 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 those things that he is has done, but this power of remembrance is a major spiritual weapon, but it seems it seems so puny, so I was thinking about some of my other galilees. <clears throat> I remember times in the early seventies where the Lord spoke to me clearly about part of my future. He actually told me very clearly I was going to get married and I was going to have three sons. He told me clearly in the most remarkable way. I just don't want to get into all details. And he didn't tell me I was going to have a little bonus daughter, which was cherry on the top, I guess. But I remember the night I went to a high school auditorium when I was in college. I came back to Charlotte and had a girlfriend was in high school, and I heard this evangelist testify and preach about Jesus in a way that seemed like he actually knew Jesus. If you met people that seemed to actually know him, not just know about him, not just pictures in a book or words on a page, but know him? They know him. And that night, I answered a call. And it wasn't really my salvation experience. I'd already had one of those, but it didn't do that much to me for some ways. It's just peculiar how this works. We get saved all at once maybe, but we're also getting saved by process too. But, but I answered a call to come forward, and the power of the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, touched me so profoundly <clears throat> that the sense of that experience remains, me, remains with me even now, 50, 50 years later. 50 years later, the reality of Jesus, I can sense his presence just by talking right now, talking about it right now, just remembering right now what happened that night. I went with a guy. He and I were on a city championship baseball team. He and his girlfriend. I was so profoundly touched by the Lord. I came apart so immensely, emotionally, they left me there, and I've never seen him again. Honestly, never seen either either one of them again. I remember that girlfriend saying, "I'm not marrying you because you're going to be a preacher." I thought, "What is she talking about?" Paul writes in Second Timothy two eight Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel. And there's a direct relationship to the reality of the resurrection and the capacity of the the Holy Ghost has to touch our lives and speak to us and move on us. Because the Holy Ghost came back as a witness that the presence and power and work of Jesus was all sufficient in the heavenly tabernacle. I mean, maybe you don't follow all that, but I know what I'm talking about. One of the things... I've got to wind this up. But one of the things I've done over the years, during this time of year, is I've read, I would read all the gospel accounts of the sufferings of Jesus. And it's amazing what that'll do to you when you really look at what he went through. And I'm going to tie this together here, but it's going to take me just a second. But a number of years ago, I was in a hotel in Florida. I was going to speak in a local congregation. I was down in the lobby having breakfast by myself, and I sat down at the table to eat. And when I did, I felt like my father had sat down across from me at the table. And it was very peculiar, and he uh, he's been gone now over 40 years. He's been gone long. He was gone. He was dead even then. But it was very strange. I sat down across, and it's like my father was looking at me. I didn't see him, and he wasn't there literally. I don't know if this is one of those experiences, but that's what happens. You have personal experiences with Jesus that make a difference in your life. But it was like my dad was looking across from me, and he said one thing. He said, what are you going to do about your mom? And and I, I There was no conversation, and that was that. And I thought, wow, what in the world? So I thought, I better pay more attention to my mother. She was living in this retirement place, but it was a – you could go from playing golf to being in ICU, one of those kind of all-encompassing places. So um, I went to see my mom, and I realized her – her mental faculties were beginning to deteriorate. And um, so I realized, and I talked to my brother, I said, we got we to gotta pay a little bit more attention here to mom. She, I don't think she's doing all that well. I hadn't realized that he hadn't either. So back then my day off was Monday. Every Monday I would go to see her up in Davidson. And it, be, it began to take on the characteristics of the movie Groundhog Day. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like for three years I had the same conversation with my mother. And she was this regal woman. She was a beautiful, beautiful woman full of personality. And she really was one of the most beloved people in that whole retirement complex. But as her health deteriorated, she became negative and, I don't know, just kind of mean and that terrible thing about your mom. And then she would accuse me of never coming to see her. I remember one time we were walking down the hall and she introduced me to somebody as my brother. And I thought, I'm sure not coming up here if I'm not even getting credit for coming. (laughs) That's what I thought. But my brother and I did everything we needed to take care of her, and but she began to be sort of bitter and confused, and it got worse, and eventually she passed away. And I had, I don't know how many of you can relate to this, but I had this uh, t- um, emotional bad impression of her. How many of you know? Yeah, I mean, that was how I remembered her when that was not really who she was. And I couldn't do anything about it, and I just thought... Well, this is just life, right? You just deal with it best you can. Um, So here's the rest of the story. So it was Passion Week, and I was reading through the Gospels. I was in a public place, too, like a Starbucks kind of place. I was sitting there over in the corner, and I was reading the accounts of the sufferings of Jesus. And... um, as I was reading the presence of the Lord. How many of you felt the presence of the Lord during worship this morning? Well, see, the intense presence of the Lord came into that coffee shop. And it was so strong, I just told the Lord, if this gets any stronger, I'm going to have to leave. I'm about to fall completely apart. But it came while I was meditating on on his sufferings. And suddenly, the Lord spoke to me. Now, all of this was out of the blue. I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't looking for any of this. I was just doing what I was doing. But the Lord, in his presence, just spoke into my heart, and he said, Do you remember years ago in Florida when you felt like your dad sat down for, across from you and asked you what you are going to do about your mother? And I said, yes. And he said, that was me. And when he said, that was me, that terrible sense I had about my mother completely evaporated and left and has never come back. And I don't think of her in those terms at all. And when the Lord said that was me, what he meant was I set up that whole strange, difficult to explain scenario between you and your dad. And because I love your mother so much, I wanted you to take care of her. And I didn't want you to be left with that feeling you had about her because she was such a dear person. Now, all of this happened in like in like a flash. And it struck me, while I was being concerned about Jesus' sufferings, he was being concerned about mine. Can you see that? As I was reading about his, he did something about mine, and I wasn't even asking to. I didn't even know he could. I didn't even know it was possible for some kind of a thing that's inside somewhere that you can't get rid of or even know that you could goes away because of this risen Jesus, Holy Spirit, possibility and that's why my faith in Jesus is not only based on the Bible it's based on my Galilee it's based on the times he has touched me it's based on the times he has changed me sometimes when I wasn't even looking or expecting him to do it and that's to me is one of the realities of the resurrection. It really is. Jesus is alive. He's alive. He he died for your sins. He cares about you. He cares about your, I mean, he cared about that weird feeling I had about my mom. There are people in this room right now, you've got hooks in your heart from something, from somewhere, I'm gonna ask Jesus just to take them out. I don't know who you are. I don't know what they are, but I know what goes on. So, Father, there are things people need that only you can do. Only you can do it, Lord. And I ask that you would deliver people today, Lord, from bitter rancor, hostility, anger, hurt, Pain, depression, gosh, I don't know, Lord, you know. Reach in there. Reach in there and touch him, Lord. One of the the things I've thought about Jesus is you got to stick with him long enough for it to work. I've wondered, too, and this this is hard for people to do but it can change your life. If there's anyone here today and you either have never made a commitment to Jesus and you want to, I would just like for you to boldly just stand. If there's someone here today you would like to give your life to Jesus, the Jesus I'm talking about, not whatever one you heard about that's not like the one I know. If there's anyone here that wants to do that, I want to give you an opportunity. I'm not going to pressure you but there's something about the boldness it takes to make that move that will set the course of how your faith grows. Is there anyone here this morning, and that's you? I just want to give you an opportunity just to respond. If there's anyone here and you've gotten away from the Lord, and you want to come back in any dimension whatsoever, You can do that this morning. Yeah, I know this is uncomfortable. Having a baby is uncomfortable. Working hard and doing things right is uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable things, but they're important. If if you want to make a statement about coming back to Jesus, of turning the corner, of committing again, I just want you just to stand up, just, just to take a step up. Just to be bold. Or if there's anyone here who think they should give me a brand new Maserati and a hundred thousand dollar check. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I know you're out there. Listen, let's um, let's bring Shelly back up here and tie this up. But God bless you, folks. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, we really want the best for your life. I was going to say we really love you, but some of you I don't know yet. So. <laughs> See, Shelly's making me be honest all the time now with that introduction, so.
1: You love them. You love them. Oh, okay. All right. I love y'all. <laughs> I think about you when I'm not with you, and I send you all the love in my heart. It's interesting. He's talking about the remembering the Galilee. That story is a Galilee for me, the one you just shared, because we were in a little group, and I remember him sharing that story, and I. Did the experiment. I shared. I I started to read about the sufferings of Jesus. And go there. And think about it. And I met Jesus. I really met Jesus doing that. Wow. Like I've been saved since I was five years old. But in my 30s. Mm. I met the Jesus. I met him. And I will never be the Mm. same since I actually met him. Mm. And it's because I did that experiment of Mm. sharing in the sufferings of Jesus. Mm. I met him. And I know him now. Mm. And nothing can ever change that. It's a corner I turned in my life that I can never go back around, you know? Mm. Do I believe I was a Christian before that? Absolutely. But I met Jesus, the Jesus. He is now a personal, real person to me. Mm. He's not far away. He's not Mm. the man on the cross or whatever these pictures we have of him. I know him. Like, I know Robin, I know him like I know my closest friend. And that is available to you today. Mm. Maybe you know Jesus. Maybe you're a Christian, but you don't know Jesus. That is available to you today. Mm. So remembering Mm. is just a beautiful thing. Mm. I know there is moments in each one of your lives that changed you forever in a good way. You know, maybe it was a really long time ago and it was like a summer camp thing where you had a really amazing experience with the Lord or maybe it was a missions trip or maybe it was sharing in a Bible study about the Lord or whatever, but I just want you to close your eyes with me and remember Remember those times that you felt so close to the Lord, that the Lord was so real to you, that his goodness was so tangible and so real. And just sit there and just sense it. God, I pray this week, that you would help us to remember that we would talk about it with our spouses, with our friends, the times that you changed us, that you provided for us, that you healed us, that you set us free, that you showed up in a miraculous way. Help us to talk about that. Help us to think about that. Help it to be so real to us that it just... Jolts us with some electricity. Bring that power into our now. I pray that you would touch every person here. That as we go now and and enjoy the rest of our day, I pray that your presence would just stay with us. That we would just feel your love and your presence and your goodness. And it would just follow us this whole day and this whole week. that you would help us to remember. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you guys for being here. <laughs> Thank you, Robin, for the awesome message. And you can get your kids and go out and visit in the courtyard. Don't run off. Have lunch with somebody. And we'll see you next week